This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Podcast. Hell yeah, brother. Overload, brother. Beats by at Smoke M2D6. Welcome to the Seattle Overload episode where we're going to delve in to the tape. The tape that is of the Seahawks week one preseason loss to the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then after that, we'll have a bit of a preview of the Chicago Bears preseason game two. However, first we have news items to address. And that actually really kind of relates to the Chicago Bears game because the biggest news coming out of Seahawks training camp is that Drew Locke has the Rona and will not be playing against the Chicago Bears and there's no real way of spinning that other than it sucks, right? Yeah, that sucks, dude. Um, I thought I was curious how they were going to handle the the snaps. I thought, well, maybe just try to get as complete of an eval on Gino and give him like three quarters and Eason one quarter. And then next week, give Drew Locke three quarters and Gino one quarter or something like that. But it sounds like they're just going to do give Gino a half and then give Jacob the half, which is going to be some awful preseason football just classic fourth mm. quarter preseason football um and then next week yeah yeah we might we might just see some yeah moonshots um and then next week they're going to give drew i think the ha- the first half and then maybe gino the second half they might give gino one quarter and then jacob a quarter if they've finalized their eval but so yeah this this puts drew at a disadvantage i would think right the same time you could say it puts more pressure on Gino because it's like, well, now you don't have an excuse. You can't brick it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I don't, I don't think he actually feels ex- extra pressure, but anyway, I don't know what are your guys general thoughts on it. Yeah. I feel like it probably puts the competition to an end because there's also no guarantee that Drew's going to be able to get back for the game next week. Like we don't yeah. know how serious is, Right, he how symptoms. not serious it is, you know? Yeah, because so. to that point as well, Ty, like, okay, you know, you'd think from Thursday to when's the next preseason game? Is it a Sunday or Saturday? I think it's Saturday. You, yeah. yeah, you'd think, though, that playing on Thursday would give you the extra time to get back. But then you have to, one, he, like you said, he's feeling bad, bad symptoms. But then, two, you're a quarterback. Like, it's not like you're a receiver or something. Like, you have to kind of 
that even for the preseason, there's a game plan, there's like an install yeah. of plays, you know, all that good stuff, which you can't suddenly, you know, three days before the game and you haven't practiced, well, then that's a problem. Like you're, you're not going to put on a good showing anyway. So yeah, that sucks. Yeah, really sucks. Um, just awful timing, especially because, it, I mean, the news came out like, what, two <laughs> hours after it was announced that he was going to start on Thursday? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. yeah like, you got to be feeling for him. He's got to be so... Well, the other sure. thing that we have to keep an eye out uh, for now is, like, you know, he was obviously around other people. Mm-hmm. Like, what if... Yeah. You know, and obviously, yeah. he's been in the quarterback room. Like, what if Gino gets sick as well? Or what if Jacob yeah. Eason gets sick as well? Like, what happens at that point? Like... That would suck. Yeah. Then it's Wildcat put Travis Homer at quarterback. Um, like seriously, what happens in that situation in the preseason? Do you just go sign a guy? I guess. Yeah, because like the receivers need the work, and like the O line needs the work, right? So mm-hmm. you probably have an emergency guy. Who didn't they have another guy in camp earlier? They oh yeah, like for mini camp or something. Yeah, the the guy from Western Michigan. Ellaby, right? Caleb, yeah, yeah. Caleb Ellaby, just yeah. get him back here. Like, hey, do you remember anything? Well, apparently he was like the worst quarterback of the Pete Carroll Johnson like a practice. He it was that bad. Which interesting. Um, sorry, Caleb. But... Did they bring Magoo back and then didn't they cut him? Yeah, I think it's got to be Magoo. I think you mm-hmm. you, you call up. Uh... He's the ghost roster quarterback. <laughs> John Schneider has a big red button underneath his desk. What's BJ Daniels doing? Yeah, you call that BJ. Remember they moved him to receiver? Yeah. Dude, he he should have been a safety. He would have actually, if that was his calling card from the get-go, he probably would have been a heck of a player. Hmm. He ended up going um, to the XFL. He was on the the Dragons roster. It didn't go well, did it? Uh, He was just the backup, so he didn't play. Yeah. So... Other news, Kenneth Walker has a hernia, but it's only a little hernia, and it's not a sports hernia. It's a real hernia, yeah. So, um, And Pete was playing super coy in the presser today. It's not a surgery, it's a procedure. I actually have a source on on the exact hernia that it is, but but, um, it sounds like he should be back for week one of the preseason. He's already done his procedure, is what I was told, but Pete said it's still coming, so... It's pronounced well. I don't know how it's pronounced, but it's a in inguinal hernia, inguinal hernia. Interesting. Inguinal, probably not that one, but um, yeah. So apparently, it's quite. It's most common in uh, men. So Mm. he is a man, but the Seahawks have never seen this before uh, in one of their players. This condition occurs when the abdominal content protrudes through a soft spot in the muscles of the lower abdomen. Mm, not so great. That, that probably hurts. But yeah. um, the procedure that sounds kind of freaky. And I wonder, up. are those things like contact-related injuries, or are they just exertion injuries? Just I think random? it's all exertion. Interesting. Man, hernia, all these right? all these soft tissue injuries that are crap. I don't know what the actual numbers say. I'm sure there's spreadsheets somewhere, but it does feel like Seattle always has these. Mm-hmm. Even before um, you know, people call him Ivan the Terrible, which seems a little harsh, but the guy from USC, it might be anecdotal. <laughs> I don't know if it's related to what they're doing, strength and conditioning. I don't know. Uh, but I don't <laughs> no, like Ivan it. The terrible. I don't um, like it. 
no, I would I... like them not to be accruing all these injuries personally. Wow. Yeah. Personally speaking, I would like the Seahawks to be healthy. Yeah. Um, so, and on hernia news, mm. uh, I also, uh, this is breaking news. Mm. I've heard that long snapper Tyler Ott also is going to be playing through a hernia, but I don't know what the type of hernia is. But that's like, know, who's, their, who's their ghost roster? Well, they don't snapper. have one. Like, no one who has a ghost. Well, they must do, actually. You don't but, have like, a I don't know. But it has to be snap, one of the centers, right? Yeah, maybe that's that's the button right next to that's the green button next to John Schneider's big red button. Mm. Yeah, it would be it would be a center like a tight end, right? But um, to snap a football right, if you're if you're playing through a hernia, I don't think it's as big a deal as if you're going to block someone. But then, like on punk coverage, you have to go and get get downfield because you're no one's allowed to uh, cover you, so you should be one of the first yeah. getting downfield. So we'll see how that plays out. Yeah, I suspect Clint Gresham is. Mm. A little over the hill these days. Nolan um, Freeze. Perchance. There'll be a guy there'll be a guy who uh has all these videos on YouTube and is like was like one of the best ones in college, but just never got picked up because it's a long snapper. Yeah. Who was uh, the um the guy from Oregon that they signed? The long snapper. He was like a UDFA, like I don't know, six or seven years ago. He was a long this snapper. Is, this Get is him. a crazy pull. I don't know how you're remembering this. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> Snap longer, not harder. It's mm. tough. All right. There you um, go. You could coach him up. But Walker, I mean, they, they have Penny, who hopefully should be good to go by week one. Because I, I, we've heard Pete say before that guys should be fine to make it back for something or they're so, aiming for something and then they don't. But Walker, Dallas, sorry, Penny, Dallas, and then Homer feels good enough to me. Sure. And then I don't know anything. I don't know if I liked what I saw from Darwin Thompson. I don't know if I gave him enough attention to really be fair in saying that. So I think he'll be tough. What is going on with Josh Johnson? He was our preseason hero last year. Zero snaps. That's he weird. also unfollowed me on Twitter. Wow. Hmm. I hope things are going okay there. I hope he's not like having a bad camp or anything. Um, maybe I, are they trying to heard anything about him, him so they don't want to either they're, they're planning to cut him. They don't want to show too much. Mm. Um, I don't know. I don't feel like you can be that pre- pressed about someone that far down the depth chart to want to hide a guy, but numbers are numbers. They clearly value Travis Homer as a pass blocker. So mm-hmm. DJ Dallas seems to do a little bit of everything, which is kind of cool. So um, I don't know. We'll see there. Um, other news, Maddie. Well, we had a... Ugo, Ugo Amadi, we, we kind of said, well, actually, no, we forgot to speak about in the podcast of our instant reaction to the Steelers defeat. But we said uh, uh, on Twitter how it was kind of noteworthy that Ugo was playing third string nickel, basically. Yeah, he was getting snaps earlier in the game at free safety, but they don't really need... He doesn't really fit like a... He just doesn't really fit at safety. He's not as fast as Diggs to play like the kind of deep half part in a split safety system. And then he can't really... I mean, he could play a middle third okay, but he's not great. He's small. And then the nickel stuff, well, last year he was excellent in nickel. And interestingly, actually, I saw that account at Honest NFL tweet out some Eagles defense. And they were doing the exact same stuff that Seattle did last year with like the nickel 
in a vertical hook, playing high and inside, matching that route down the field. The stuff that Ugo Amadi impressed in and the stuff that we actually didn't see, we saw two snaps of from Seattle against the Steelers because they actually seemed to be more keen for their nickel to be more uh, essentially playing. If the number two receiver runs down the field, they're matching him either with outside leverage yeah, or they're kind of just playing like off man. Uh, and so both of those things don't really see Ugo's game. And he's with how well Kobe Bryant looked against the Steelers. He, you know, at nickel, I should say. Then that's Kobe Bryant and Justin Coleman ahead of Ugo. And then are you going to be keeping a guy who's scheduled to make, uh, was it $2.7 million and they saved $2.5 million Mm -hmm. by releasing him? Yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so the news broke that he was going to be cut via Tom Pelissero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's always had this weird tweener skill set. And we literally said before 2021 season in the DMs, you, um, you know, we don't have, I don't, Hot we're not going to find it, but we, we, had, mm. I can't provide proof, but we said like, oh man, Ugo Amadi, he would be best as like an overhang slot overhang in a too high match team. And then sure enough, what did Seattle end up doing that year? Uh, they ended up playing a lot of too high match zone principles, and sure enough, Ugo Amadi, like his worth was being revealed. Like, oh hey, he he can't he can't mark guys downfield one on one. He doesn't have the range to play deep in the shell, but he can combine his brains and what athletic tools he does have to carry routes, but then zone off and then get zone zone eyes on the quarterback and relate to other routes melting like def- single-handedly defeating concepts to the passing strength really frequently and really nailing that role and Seattle's certainly still going to be doing some of that but like like half quarter quarter just Sean Desai Clint Hurt like they're going to still be doing some of it uh but it does look like they're going to be playing more like like Rip Liz cover three where they're going to have the nickel be matching with outside leverage and then even in their too high stuff they're going to be playing more outside leverage you have to carry with outside and you're kind of getting more one-on-one situation and that's just not what Amadi does super I mean he doesn't do that well right but so when they do play the the vertical hook stuff from you know cover two to that side where Ugo does excel that means when Ugo's on the field the offense knows okay we kind of know what coverages they're going to be in and then you become you become um predictable so Seattle wants to be able to like blend and weave in and out of their calls and between what Kobe showed, Coleman shows it just it makes more sense to commit to Bryant now. There, yeah. Um, even even Coleman. like this preseason, Griff, you were talking about, and we were talking about how Coleman would be the man nickel and Ugo would be the zone nickel. Well, you can't. That just <laughs> you gives can't you too do many that. Work. And especially with how the defense is leaning more into the man or outside leverage stuff, it just doesn't work. It's yeah, you can't it's too specialized. Yeah. And so like relative to expectations, Ugo really did nothing wrong here. That's what sucks about it. Mm-hmm. Like he, you, we, he is exactly what he is and he excels in that role, but it's just his lack of versatility isn't enough to, you know, it, 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 it outweighs how well, however well he did excel in his role. So hopefully he gets a lot of playing time in Philly and et cetera. Um, as far as the other end of it, JJ Arcega Whiteside, I mean, yeah. So they, so they then, they then 
got a trade in for uh, with the Eagles for Jay Jaw, who it feels like a lopsided trade in the sense that yeah. Ugo, that, yeah, Seattle didn't want Ugo, but that was just because of a scheme fit issue. Whereas Jay Jaw ain't been a good player in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, is he even going to make the team? Seattle kind of has a logjam no. at the bottom of their no. seat. Yeah, I don't think so. But I mean, well, right now Cody Thompson got put on IR that's something that sure. we didn't talk that's another news item that happened this week uh you know Marquise Goodwin and D Eskridge have been hurt DK Westbrook. and Tyler haven't you know didn't play in the first game so they were you know the ones were basically Derek Young and Bo Melton in Pittsburgh because <laughs> I, I don't think Swain yeah. played either right no he didn't you're right yeah. they were yeah so oh. at the very least I mean because like if we're just talking about that crop of guys I mean it's really like JJ or Ortega Whiteside and Penny Hart are like the most experienced receivers right now. Yeah. In group, yeah. So, yeah. If, if we, um, it's, it's so hard to nail down who the locks are because we don't know who's going to get put on IR. Goodwin could be a surprise vet cut. If the, if say Eskridge comes back and he just shows enough, they might think, okay, Goodwin's redundant now. I think it'd be cool if there's a reality where Goodwin can play and Eskridge can play together just because there's talent there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Metcalf and Lockett and Noah Fant are going to be soaking up a lot of targets anyway. So it's not like it really matters who wide receiver four, five, and six are. But there is quite a logjam there. I mean, let's assume everyone's healthy. Let's assume mm-hmm. the top four are, for the sake of discussion, the top four are Metcalf, Lockett, Goodwin, and Eskridge. Let's say they're all healthy, they're all suit up week one. After that, you got Swain, you got Penny Hart, and then Cody Thompson's out of the picture now for the moment. And then Kay Johnson, Aaron Fuller. Like there's a bit of a log jam because all those guys are not not doing well. They're all they're not doing poorly, right? Like they're all doing some things. Penny Hart is a guy that just keeps sticking around every offseason, you know, like clearly does mm-hmm. stuff in camp. He's been name dropped by, you know, two different offensive coordinators for a guy who just does stuff. So it's like all right, you know, you don't get name dropped for no reason. I know we're still talking about practice, but, you know, it's something. So I don't know what they're, what they're going to do there. I think a lot will depend on who gets hurt, who doesn't get hurt, um, which I hate to, you know, view it that way, but that's just reality. So if someone yeah. gets hurt, that's a way for for Arcega Whiteside to stick on somehow. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, mean, I, I also wonder, though, because, you know, he was playing tight end in Philly, they converted him to tight end this offseason. And but now the, the Seahawks are going to use him as a wide receiver. I kind of wonder, like, obviously, I haven't seen him. I know that he's reported to camp and he's practiced uh, now. But I wonder, like, can he actually play wide receiver? Has he added too much weight to actually properly play wide out? Like, I, I, I don't know. We're going to have to see that as well. So I just I don't have any sort of expectations him yeah honestly i just kind of feel like he ends up getting cut yeah i mean this is a flyer no risk he was it's funny because he you're literally kicking the tires in that 2019 draft cycle he was the uh like people legit discussed whether it should be him or dk metcalf like yeah he was crazy i I don't know what people saw I, i remember back to um our friend rice rossler tweeted at the time that um he wasn't even the best tight end on his team uh, which, yeah, 
Interesting. The move to tight end's been in his background for a while, uh, and yeah. the fact that they're he, moving him back to receiver, he won't make the team. It's, yeah, it's just, he he, not, he does have time. hands. He does have hands, and he is good at boxing out at the catch point, but he's not good at mm. anything else really. Okay. Um, so it's just the, the, there are a lot of guys that are actually kind of catch point monsters that don't do anything. I mean, Jazz Ferguson, right? Mm. Um, it's hard to. It's better to be open to. Getting open is really the premium skill set in the NFL, not not hands, not catch point. You know, it's. But um, we'll definitely see Jacob Eason hit him in for like on a fade or something. Oh yeah, All right, now, he now if, we'll see something. If, if on Thursday Jacob Eason throws for three hundred and fifty yards, <laughs> what what do we do at that point? And Gino gets COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If Jacob Eason throws one dig route. <laughs> um he's qb1 no, no all right yeah we i don't know i think we beat this one to death uh we'll see what happens but the best thing the best thing about this news was uh it inspired a tweet from mariner i hardly know her at wrong opinion man on twitter so already great endorsement and if you're watching on the uh youtube you can you can actually see this tweet right now if this if if I actually know how to share a screen. There we go. So Ty, mm. me. The tweet says at Matty F Brown and at C Mike Spin Move going through JJ Ortega Whiteside tape post trade. Well, you, so you, you know it is pronounced. Who is who. You know it is pronounced Ortega Whiteside, right? It's like Barcelona. Oh, I said Arcega. Why was but, I saying Arcega? I thought now correct me if I'm wrong, but if you were in South America, they would mm. say Cerveza, not Thebetha. Mm. So point. what is the heritage of our Sega Whiteside? Is he has he got some Hispanic roots? Or is he actually from Spain? Mm. Is it an Arcega? Wait, it is our, it is our Sega. Wait, how are you? Is it our Sega? I've heard yeah. people just. I've only heard like people say Arcega. Interesting. But well, I, you know, maybe I feel it's pronounced they're trying that way. too hard. And we're we're maybe. we're wading into waters where perhaps our ignorance is showing greatly here. Um, no, I I'm not ignorant. Will... I think I know. <laughs> okay. All right. But All right. it is A R C E G A. If you were going to order Corona in Mexico, what would you say? Cerveza Therona. or <laughs> Therona, yes. Theronavirus. Mm, yes, indeed. Okay. In the comments and actually educate us because I'm it, I'm so adamant that I'm probably wrong. But anyway, Ty, who who is who here? I mean, because you don't sleep, I think the answer is pretty clear here. Mm. And also because Griff I mean, is Gino pilled, and to me, Coraline looks very Gino pilled. That's there. what the film is. Yeah, I watched this yeah. in the cinema. I think it, when I was like thirteen. Yeah, good film. Is that about right. Yeah, it's a good film. Mm -hmm. I don't even remember it. Isn't there like some big spider or something? Yeah. Um... <laughs> All right. So... <laughs> so, yeah, I'm gonna say that you're. Uh... What's his bucket there? And. Uh... Griffiths Coraline. And then I 
am i don't know i'm the computer i'm the lights i'm the coffee whatever you you know what actually in the comments below let us know who you think or what inanimate object in this picture you think i am i think so i think Coraline has very good eyebrows which i mean mine are Mm. right but griffin's are a different level here However, I probably look younger than Griffin. However, we both enjoy coffee. And then, interestingly, mm. I never noticed Michigan State sweater. So, Ooh, Kenneth Walker the what, third. Yeah, which which of you is a bigger uh, Kenneth Walker see, stan? I don't Barton. think. I, I don't. I don't. I don't think that looking at their ages is is the right way to go here because that's like trying. That's like a more literal. Translation: mm-hmm. We're trying to uh, extract, like, yeah, yeah extract mm-hmm. abstractions here. I see on the right someone who is young and full of energy and looks has an optimistic disposition. <laughs> perhaps someone prone to hoping and coping. I think that's me on the left. We've got someone who is chained to their to their computer, over caffeinated, mm-hmm. but still looks sleepy somehow. Maybe has some bad sleeping patterns. So. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's yeah. bad posture. Bad posture. So um, I think that is more you there, Maddie. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I think I agree. And then Ty, no, Ty, you're the door because mm. you're you're the one bridging me and Maddie here. Oh, so the door. You're, you're not you're not building walls. You're you're tearing them down. You're opening the door. So Ty's the yeah. door, and yeah, the great door you are. Um. This is this has been who, great. who took the who took the frame though who took the shot who's who's not to break the fourth mm. wall that who is maybe that's the audience yes of course the viewer the listener yeah it's the viewer watching us from the from the corner of the room in a friendly okay. way yeah. not a not a creepy way yeah well, so onto onto less important matters yeah if you mm. if you tweet us we and it's a good tweet we may interact with it so. Thank you again, mm. wrong opinion, man. And we're back. Yeah. Hell yeah. So we are back. The tape. The tape. The great tape. The ground tape. Mm. The quarterbacks are the obvious deal. And I watched Gino and was pleasantly surprised. There wasn't any oh, you should have thrown that down the field, like you've missed the chance here to really go at it, other than a corner route into cover two, which was a risk like if i know which one you're talking about yeah i'd have been like the timing was off and i was just like eh. that if you throw that it's probably picked and you're probably done yeah yeah before we really dive in uh, framing how each of them play there's definitely an element of neither one wants to be the first one to throw the inner the first interception we know and pete carroll knows interceptions are going to happen no matter how careful you are they just are um obviously throw less of throw fewer of them than more of them right that makes sense uh but yeah that's definitely informing their play a little bit there's some hesitancy but yeah i agree there wasn't stuff downfield like like that framework of play style that didn't affect gino downfield so much oddly and maddie not to not to jump your gun here it was a little okay so like so all in all, it was in quick game, Gino turned down two looks. There were counted two of them that last year he threw without hesitation. The good sign was he was reading the play out correctly. He knew what he was looking at. He just didn't, he just didn't want to do it. 
Um, the linebacker would have jumped one of the, okay. So one of them, it was a, it was three by two formation and the orbit motion, the weak slot to the trip side. So now it's a four by one post snap and he quads. goes quads. Yeah. Quads, which means four. Um, so he, he looked at Derek Young's slant, was covered up, wasn't a good slant route. The corner also made a good play. So he immediately goes to the backside of the play, which is what you're supposed to do. And he is staring right at the little snag, the first snag route. And it's there. And he threw that literally three times in the exact same context with nearly identical proximity to the defenders, the receiver to defender, last year in the regular season. And he just didn't throw it. Yeah. So that the, tells me... Go the ahead. linebacker had had just started to throttle down and break into that. And it, and it probably would have been a tackle as caught situation, but one or, of them or, would have... Or a really lucky pass. Well, not lucky, but like... Like the receiver, The receiver yeah. should have secured the catch, but like the tackle knocks it loose and it's on the receiver. But like he should have right. thrown it. And also on that, the, the second inbreaker, because it's essentially... Um, what you'd call a double China concept. So one runs in, two runs in, three runs a corner route. Uh, and it was into cover two on that side of the field. And then you've got the, as Griffin said, the orbit into the flat as the check down. Uh, so it's a four strong concept. But like the second inbreaker from the one receiver, he could have thrown that as well. If he'd just gone no and then gone again, he could have, he, there was a window for that as well. So. Okay. So there was that one, and then there was another, I think it was like one of the, it was the third down that he scrambled on to convert a first down. Yes, that was, a, was that was a big one. So that was the play after that, that corner route into cover two where I said he could have thrown that. See, but if, if his shoulders gear for that, that corner is bailing no, he could, Yeah, he, no, it wouldn't have been that advisable. I'm not dinging him for that. But yeah, I'm saying they then ran another cover two beater where and they got cover two where one of the the, the outside receiver they're stacked up the outside receiver is off the line of scrimmage he delays his release and then just sits down and then the other guy runs a corner and as gino's back foot hits and he looks at it the corner is holding his depth near the sticks because it's third and two but he's off and then there's an inside defender who's like throttled down, but he's still off. Like you can, if you just ping it in there, like like how Locke did for his touchdown from the bunch where the ball's out as the receiver turns, he catches the football. Like it was there. There, there was an opportunity yeah. there. So, and I, I wondered if he was actually equally worried about the corner coming from behind and punching the ball out as he was the linebacker jumping it. Yeah, um, it's one of those though when like you you watch it like one's like one moment after and the corner ain't doing that, but like, he doesn't know. Obviously. Yeah. He can't predict yeah. time, yeah. but again, first but preseason it's... game, like right. one of those, he'll look back and go, yeah, you know what? I could have thrown that, but it's, he's sort of still got to feel out what, what he can get away with. And he'll do that in practice. You don't sure. do that in a, your preseason game where you're trying not to lose the job, which I think is really your point, right? Like there's an element of caution here where it's like, well, don't go and throw this away. Like, come yeah. on now. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's still cool that when he did extend, he was able to make plays happen. Like on that one, he still, it was like the scrambling was controlled. Um, it was, he was trying to exhaust the concept as he was reading it out. Um, you know, keeping his shoulders, like only squaring when it was time to really bail, like keeping his shoulders perpendicular to the line of scrimmage, which means if he f feels like something can be thrown, he, he's in a position to throw it. He doesn't have to reset his feet. So like stuff like that is good. 
Um, it was cool that on the one of the, his first completion, um, I think it was like a stick concept into like this weird. I didn't really like the backside concept. They had Noah Fant on an over the ball route, which he did not have a good release off the line. Then they had like an. I guess it would have been an alert. Oh, that that was a, this play was this play. I was like, okay, we got something here with Gino. So it was a it was a stick concept into cover two front side, right? Yeah, and it was covered up, and he read that it was like he he read the cloud corner. It wasn't there, and the fact the front side concept wasn't there. So what does he do? He transitions, keeping his base, sticking with keeping faith with the play. And Noah Fan is very much not open, and he so now bashed, the play's dead. He got bashed up at the line of scrimmage, like rerouted to hell. I, I yeah. was just it's like, what? So <laughs> at that point, the play, the play's dead. So he extends out calmly. And um, he gets everything he can out of the pocket, everything he can out of the concept, extends out to his right, and they immediately go into scramble drill. And really, I mean, yeah, it was 10, 12 yards downfield, right? But it was still a strike. It was a perfect throw on the run. And I, one of the things I worry about with Geno Smith's arm in general is off-platform throws in the pocket and then also on-the-run throws. That's where he's proven that he can be accurate, but he's proven that he can also be inaccurate. This, there's simply variance there, and you never know what you're going to get. He was very accurate throwing his, on the right um, so, I'm by um, no means a quarterback mechanics expert, but like when he's he seemed very tight, like it all seemed nice and connected in a good way when when he was throwing on the run. Nothing was getting loose and flopping around, and then that's when the errant throw comes, right? Like yeah. It all seemed nice and compact. Yeah. And then he had other, other quick game throws and just – you know, quick game, simple, making the right pre-snap read, choosing the zone beater side when it's zone, you know, looking to the man beater side when it's man, right? Um, and he was accurate. Like that one throw, I think, was it to Aaron Fuller? Like he's in, in the vacated space and the sort of like snag concept, three-man snag concept, and he leads him so that he can fall in between the two zone defenders. He doesn't have to, you know, like go back to the ball and then get upfield. It's just kind of all the little tiny stuff in there. Um, he does well. Um, I hope that we see some like stick nod so that we can see what he does at the second level in quick game. Um, or maybe like snag dig, you know, any anything You're like that. You're talking about the kind of uh the they're sort of bridging the middle ground between deep and short intermediate hay, whereas like the five step drop um stick dig kind of deal stuff, right? Right. Yeah, yeah. And the stuff Ross wouldn't throw. Right, because that's if you're going to run that much quick game, which I don't think Seattle will now, I think they'll run more pure five-step. But if you're going to run that much quick game, at least be able to have second-level quick yeah, games. Let's have a layer to punish. So they can play yeah. off one another, right? Yeah. Um, so overall, Gino, he obviously he had two deep ball throws in the like 21, 25 yards, um, that one rollout. He was really accurate there. Quick game, he was mostly fine, like we talked about. The stuff that he didn't throw, I think we just chalk up to the spirit of competition, wanting to be too careful. Um, well, um, on the too careful stuff, how did you view his, uh, I think it was his, hold on, I'll, I'll get it up. Yeah, his first third down of the game, third and six, where yeah. he looks front side, they've spun uh, their safety rotation, and they've they, they do a really nice job, actually, of getting their curl flat player to show he's blitzing. And then he gets out to a landmark way past the numbers. And he just like, it was almost like a cloud player, um, even though it's cover three. But they did a really nice job of covering up stick from trips. Gino saw that, didn't throw it. Like, good. Like, it would be a bad decision. The corners were playing over the top really well for Pittsburgh. They weren't, which is another thing to note, really. They were not giving 
the alert route. Like if you throw the alert route, you're taking a real leap of faith that there just wasn't the time to have have that. They were playing so far off. Um, so th- so he comes backside, but he doesn't actually look at Derek Young backside. He's already just looking at the swing into the flat, and then he the running back swing, and then he's like trying to keep it alive, and he eventually gets sacked. So. How did you view that play? Because I have some takes. The so it seemed like Colby Parkinson ran the wrong route. Yeah. Um, are we talking about the same play? Or yes, I... that would make sense actually because he ran the stick right One into inch. where the coverage was. That if it, it was, was like an option, he could have. Well, stick nod would have worked there. You know, it, it was it was such a weird play. Yeah, I mean because. One, it was if that was how it was designed to be, the spacing doesn't make sense. It's weird to run like a legitimate three man stick concept, but converting it to a five step concept because stick is a three step concept. So it was, it's bizarre. It didn't make sense for the coverage or the spacing. I thought he was either supposed to run a stick knot or like a dig route. Um, and I wish he had ran a dig route, especially because of the, that look that would have been a bang bang thing, a bang bang read. You got to make a bang bang throw. That would have been something you can really evaluate. Like, oh, okay, if he's throwing this, they're going to be a functional offense if the O-line continues to look like that, which that's really the biggest question mark, I think. The difference between them being non-functional and functional, and functional can be whatever you define it as. But um, so, but when that happens, then he transitions to the backside. He spends very little time looking at that weak side curl, which makes me I think maybe... I don't even maybe, think he looks at it. Right, which makes me think like he almost like... He's just peek, peeking in his periphery as he scans to the weak side check down, which makes me think it was a half field read and that wasn't a full field progression. I don't I, I don't agree with that. Okay. I, I, I think he saw pre-snap that he got weak buzz. And so he knew there was a safety coming down to that. And three okay. isn't three isn't that. up. Three isn't up. So the the you know, he's not gonna have that uh, weak safety push into the front side concept. He's going to just stick backside as basically the spare player. And if he even looks at like more at his young concept, the guy, the safety's under it. So it's just not. So there. I guess I, 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 I see what you're saying now. I, before that, I would still say I half agreed with you because I thought reading the safety spin dictated what half to go to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But even so, like that's still, I agree that that's what he was reading and that informed the decision, even if it was full, full, um, uh, even if it was like a full field read. So, but all in all, so it wasn't really there. He could have thrown the weak curl. I thought what he did in the pocket when he scrambled and took the sack, he was still like the pocket work was still, I'm trying to make the concept work until he assumed that it was coverage covered it up. Then at that point it was a coverage sack. It wasn't him being stingy with the ball so much. Um, but still, I'm okay with him taking a sack when you're outside of field goal range, but again, early down, get rid of the ball. So hopefully we see him try not to extend there. Um, yeah, but we want to see more three-step drops from gun, which is a five-step concept. We want to see more of that so we can really evaluate Gino in the drop back game. Um, Cause that is still going to be. Well, the, the two minute drill was kind of, the two minute drill was like perfect for that. Really not three-step drop, but um. Well, no, it's a three-step drop, but not like the quick game stuff. Like, but he he managed that beautifully. The there weren't shots there, and then when there was, and he, he you know he hit it in the zone hole really nicely on their kind of uh, quick game 
wide cross concept, I call it. But, um, you know, fast three, uh, this the slot receiver, I think, has an option whether to break out or nestle in the zone hole. And he just bangs it in between the curl flat and the hook on that side of the field. And that's that's a catch for Bo Melton. And then, you know, they, they call three, they call uh, four verts out of trips. They, they just drop under it, basically play a weak buzz again. Um, the, the alert he looks at, but it's basically double covered with a curl flat under it and a, it's just not there. And so he just checks it down to Homer releasing across the formation, yeah. gets his yards, and then the beautiful throw against cover two where, bang, straight, like, absolutely perfect on four verts. Perfect throw. The shot was there and he took it. Like, that the, was the, the only time he had a chance really to go downfield and he smashed right. it. And and when he lets go of that ball, Kay Johnson has not even cleared that vertical hook receiver, like on the, uh, what's the term here? On the horizontal plane, I think is what I'm going for here. He's still to mm. the left of Kay Johnson. The ball's released before he's cleared him. So that, that's just, that that's Ola. timing, that's accuracy, everything. Um, that's a big time throw. Um, and it's a throw that above, you know, above average quarterbacks make with consistency. Of course, consistency is the key to everything. Back to that one play where you mentioned where he hit Travis Homer on the check down. I think that was like a 989 concept, essentially like Y cross, but instead of a cross, it's like a post from the tight end, right? And then like what yeah, you're one right. Of, it wasn't four verts. Because um, then you had like yeah. a hitch from one of them or something like the that. The one the the outside guy ran a the outside guy ran a, a hitch and I think the slot ran a seam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was similar to Drew Locke's throw in the end zone where to Kobe Parkinson, which was a really good throw. Um, I would argue not great, but a good one. And the the safeties made a good play on it and, and Colby couldn't come down with it. Um, I like to compare and contrast those plays though, because that was Drew correctly reading like weak flat rotation from the safety. So it was six sky, whereas Gino on, on that example, he was reading the post, see what he had. But it was a it was weak buzz rotation, like you said. And but when he saw that, he immediately was like, "Okay, I'm hitting Homer." I would have loved to have seen them rotate down to the flat because that would have meant he might have thrown the post over the over the linebacker. So I, w- I was upset that we didn't see that. But it was cool seeing him like that's what he's looking for. He's reading that weak safety to dictate what he's going to do, reading defender techniques because he was too deep to throw the post. It was like 12 yards. It was the look wasn't there, but he went, he got to Homer instantaneously, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he looked good on the. I mean, we've said how he looked good on the run, but th- that that play where they ran like flood, where he basically put four to a side uh, off play action. He hit that to the laid down flat correctly. The corner route, the alert that didn't really have a shot to Parkinson. Yeah, he's six seven, but the safety's over the top of it and going to take a good angle. That was nice. Uh, the sprint out to Noah Fan. That's a cover. Perfect. I don't know what coverage it was, but it, was, it had a one-on-one to the corner deep. Beautiful where only Fan could get it. Should have got his feet in bounds. He easily could have done. And then, I just don't think Fant was aware of where the sideline was. I no, think I think he just switched thing. off a bit, yeah. He, yeah. he thought he had more room because it was to the field. and they were. I mean, yeah, they're sprinting out, but it's still to the wide side. And then play action, uh, the play-action dagger play as well, like – Gino didn't have it there. It wasn't on the run, but he didn't have the dagger. It was blanketed. Both routes were. Yeah. And so he just checked it down to Homer for big yards. Like, honestly, it looked pretty good. For for what was called and what was available, he was clean, accurate, and then the, the subjective stuff, like poised and controlled, you know, 
And the, the, really the only critiques I think that are to be made are he passed up some quick game looks that he normally never does, even when he was the, in the New York. The two ones we've spoke about, yeah. Yeah, and we already we beat that drum to death. So hopefully just next week, same context. Let's hit it now. It's, right? it's worth saying, as, as we or said tomorrow. in the... As we said after the after the game, immediately after the game, you know the drives which were stalling weren't really Gino. Uh, but now we've watched the tape, we can confirm that it was mainly like I mean, we've said about these two quick game opportunities. But there was a few periods where they tried to run the ball in short yardage and didn't get it done. That well, the geo yeah. the duo play where they 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 broke that up, and then you know he just didn't you know at quarterback you still have to have the opportunities, but. And Pete Carroll spoke about how this will be decided by the guys who take the opportunities, and Gino took yeah. the ones which were there. Yeah, so. yeah, um, yeah. So transit transitioning to Drew Locke. Yes. Before we get into the nitty gritty of certain things, do we just kind of want to characterize what we what we saw, like broadly speaking? Well, Griff, you saw. Okay. Well, um, well, I really set myself up for that one, didn't I? Um. I, th- I think overall he I'll just say this really quick I think Gino had the the better game um, but drew lock still for what relative to what we're talking about here you know Maddie has about, just casually disappeared by yeah, the way Maddie, Maddie took offense to that given that we're talking about two guys that we generally don't have a lot of confidence in overall broadly speaking you know we're not trying to replace Russell Wilson here um drew lock still inspired confidence kind of you know controlling for expectation mm-hmm. um i still thought he had a little more kind of you know the the, ac- the inaccuracy the accuracy variance was there he had some really good strikes and then he had some a little inaccurate um things like he almost threw the i guess you could call the pick it was a tough route to throw though in the end zone it was dropped by the defender but then he had the really nice throw to colby parkinson throwing you know into a zone, a tight zone window requires velocity and placement. I think for that to be completed, because it was really good coverage, great throws beat really good coverage. And I think he only had a good throw there. He either mm. needed to throw it a touch earlier to beat that weak safety, um, or he needed to put it a little bit more back shoulder for Kobe. Yeah. For, I felt for, I felt that when that that throw, I felt it was, you know, we, we spoke about again, we spoke about it, but I think he checked the safety, tried to look him off weak, and then tried to throw it strong. But in the pit, he didn't, like you said, he could have thrown it back shoulder, but he was still thinking he could do the same type of throw after that process. So, again, it's probably a bit of a rust thing, and it's like, it's game time. This is what it takes. But if he had it back, I think he'd try it. Sure, sure. But it's cool, though, seeing the quick release and the velocity with the quick release. I mean, that's... And then, like, that, like, even on a mesh throw... He's just throwing a five yard shallow, but the ball just flies off his hand and it's like just, you know, he sidearms it basically. And then he and then he redeems himself after where he almost threw that pick on that one pylon crossing route. He just ropes it in at five yards and it does cuts so through the air, doesn't it? And it just looks so so that it looks it looks really difficult to defend and really easy to catch and run with. Like, yeah. So like th- those sort of things are like, yeah, that's that's Drew Locke's talent right there. That stuff is that stuff is like the uh what intrigues people with him um yeah so uh then you know yeah you of course you can run play action drift with him or play action strike um where he threw the one to derek young ideally and gino's thrown a similar ball before so i'm not 
picking sides here. Ideally, you hit it on the front shoulder right in the numbers so that Derek Young, who's 6'2", 220, runs a 4'4", doesn't have to break stride. You, you want him free over the middle. He hit him a little back shoulder, and he had to elevate for it a little bit, breaking his stride, but still got the completion, You know, ripped it over the middle, good stuff over the linebacker's head who was biting on the action. So, you know, you, you take what you get there. Um, uh, on f- what might have even the score, even with the weaknesses or the other negative plays that we talked about with Locke, and they were minorly negative, right? If he had hit that deep seam to end to, toward the end there, I would say that probably evens the score a little bit between him and Gino. Um, he made the right decision. He read that the strong safety was inserting down to the hook, you know, threw it at the right time. He just sailed it, you know, just missed the throw. Put a bit too much on it, trying to throw it over the guy in that, in the underneath presence. And um, that's honestly what he showed in Denver. He's, he's not an accurate deep ball thrower. He's a strong arm thrower. He can make highly accurate throws downfield, but he also is highly inaccurate at times. So again, it's just a variance. Um, it's consistency. Um, he can make throws Gino can't, but then of the throws that Gino can make, Gino will hit those more consistently than Drew will hit those. You know what I'm saying? So like, there's a trade off there. Um, and now, and now he has COVID. So and I now guess he has we COVID. can circle back to to Drew when he's back, hopefully for game three. But uh, feel better, Drew will. Yeah. Uh, Ty, did we do a bad job explaining anything? No, no, uh... no, no, that was good. That was good. And, you know, I don't think we should like linger too much on it right now because, again, Drew isn't going to play in the next game. Um, So we'll just have to wait until we can hopefully see him back in action in Dallas Mm. and pick up from there. Oh, and his fumble was terrible. Like, yeah, the the fumble. And, and, And watching it back, Gino was very dialed in cadence wise as well he was trying to get guys to show undress their looks and stuff like he was dialed in and his hot throw to walker was brilliant and and like you'd hope that gino at your 10 would be rock solid there right like backup quarterbacks in the league that have been back play like a coach like it's interesting yeah yeah i mean i'm sure the those years on the bench playing behind eli manning and philip rivers have probably served him you know and russell wilson of course um so, yeah, uh, you still want Drew to be a little bit further along there, but, you know, three, four offensive coordinators in four years, that's still mm-hmm. rough on you. So, you know, um, and like Pete said, he's never going to make that mistake again. So, so uh, it's true. So some quick takes for the rest of the offense. The, the offensive line was uh, really, really, really good. Uh, uh, yeah. Austin Blythe looks like he's been playing with that interior a trio of, him and then Phil Haynes and Damian Lewis for like over five years that they they were handling like twists and stunts up front in the past game. They were they were really good in in the run game as well, and they they just looked like a really solid protection unit. Other than uh, Phil Haynes had a few moments against a really wide three tech, which are tough uh, on the man side of protection, where he he got kind of beat around the edge um, and probably got away with borderline kind of grabbing but Blythe as well is like his he just looks big like he's bigger than Posick isn't he and yeah and he has a, a big ass well but, he's, um, he's not taller than Posick but he's more dense he's, he, he's yeah he looks honestly he's his big. weight is distributed perfectly for a center mm. um he was gonna, so good 
Yeah, he was really good. And all these guys in the interior were winning their blocks one-on-one, except Haynes had one loss to Leal. He was just a talented guy. Rob, super talented. That's probably going to happen occasionally. Um, The main thing to draw from this is how good were they handling games and twists? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're everyone like, because one of the worst things that can happen is when your hips turn up field on a stunt and then you can't help. And Seattle's had real difficulty with this. That's been their biggest fault. And like Ethan Posick, for the first time in his career, seemed to get pretty good at staying square to the line of scrimmage on that. So did Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson and Phil Haynes, the combination there to end the year. But like they just looked like they, like you said, they've been doing it for five years. Really great communication. Damian Lewis didn't have a single issue with that sort of thing. They were just bunching up the middle, not letting them get any spacing or anything. And then Cross and Lucas looked great. Um, so did Jake Curran, though. And I don't know, really, like I wouldn't really separate Curran from Lucas. I think that just comes down to do you bank on Lucas's youth? Is that the, well, Curran's young too, but do you bank on his athleticism Yeah. and the, the trajectory? The other thing, though, that we kind of yeah. have to, we kind of well really quick mm. we kind of have to temper our excitement here a little bit because the steelers they didn't have their suck. ones this they, they sucked they were bad they suck and, at, uh, they and suck at, um run defense as well or they did they're horrific run. i mean oh, remember yeah. they ran all over them last year in the regular season but fuller had a great game so if fuller's having a great game which credit to him he had a good game but like when everybody has a great game when Kyle Fuller is having a great game. <laughs> yeah, like how much so, of this is um, fool's gold? Yeah. Um, but you'd rather see this than not see it, right? Like you can only block the people in front of you. So uh let's see them repeated against the Bears. Um, not that they have a great friend either right now. Big thing, mm. L- Lucas was like some of he had like three amazing pancakes. The chemistry and understanding he also had with uh Noah Fant was like I was like how on earth okay. are they doing this so well like yeah. his first pancake he has a six tech so that's a guy head up on Fant and he has a um and 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 the six tech goes really flat down the line of scrimmage so basically to Lucas Lucas jams on him and then wins leverage and knocks him to the inside knocks him over really good and then there was plays where he was able to push a kind of four eye on his, so a guy on his inside shoulder, able to lock onto him, push him to the outside, and then and then pass him off to Fan, and then go and get a linebacker coming to the inside and pancake him. And like to pass guys off running wide zone away is really interesting, uh, very very exciting stuff. And it's funny how traditionally teams would always be run right teams. Right, they'd always run towards the right. Like the right tackle was the bigger type of player, the left tackle was the more finesse type. But with Seattle running this kind of athletic uh, outside zone, mid zone system, where it's all about getting outside, they they're more of like a run left team, and they certainly were against Pittsburgh. In that you had Lewis and you had um, Cross doing a good job of kicking guys out, and then this crazy wash coming from right guard, right tackle even fan a bit as well and just really really impressive stuff yeah. and it twins up nicely with the play action game because if you're a right-handed quarterback you generally want to fake it to the left and then roll out to your right so that your hips are open you're not throwing across your body you can you can access that so mm-hmm. really 
really exciting. Indeed. So, till next time on the offense. Um, do we want to do a super speed run on the defense? Yes. Yes, we got to. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, so the the maybe the the the, the biggest thing is that they they played very little three four they they played about eight snaps of it and then only like four of those snaps were true like odd space where you had a two gapping nose tackle otherwise it was just basically an under front where your edges were just standing up um but so but that's it's it's because they are they have nickel bear but for the most part, they're trying to be a four down nickel team. And I think they were just trying to rep their nickel stuff also to get reps on Coleman and, and Bryant. Like that's kind of, I think the main thing that they were going for also when they, cause bear is primarily base. Do they definitely have nickel bear? Like I said, but bears primarily base. They know they're good. They know they're a good bear team. They don't need to prove that to themselves. Like Al Woods and Mona and Ford and even Shelby, like they don't need reps showing that they can, they have that cohesion that's already there, but it is really important for them to get reps to be able to defend the run when they're playing four down, when they're in too high, because the operating premise there is that they need pass rush when they're in too high. And the main front they pair with too high is bear. That's what most teams around the league are doing or three, four. And it's really hard to get a four man rush out of bear. So, if you can play, if you can defend the run from four down to when you're in playing cover two or quarters, then that means your pass rush can stay juiced up. You can continue to rush the passer. So that that's that's really the, the important part. Um, and we'll see how how they deal with that. So like yeah, they were playing a lot of like two gap one gap techniques in on the interior with the tackles, buying time for the the quarter safety to come in and be that extra fitter, um, so that they're not entirely gapped out. The linebackers, though, were still playing fairly fast, so I don't know if they're like playing true two-gap techniques. It's kind of a combination. We're going to have to see more of it uh, to kind of learn all the rules, all the if-then stuff, um, so you don't always get it. Um, coverages, they were doing some really some some different stuff, and we alluded earlier, but Maddie, I'll lob that over to you, and then also comment on the front stuff if you got additional thoughts there because I was rambling. Yeah, well... Let, let's start from the nickel thing. So interesting that um, they Ugo played uh, 28% of the snaps, but that was some of that was at free safety. Kobe Bryant played 57% of the snaps, but some of that was at left corner. And then Justin Coleman played 16% of the snaps, which was exclusively at nickel. So if you kind of work out how those split, they were basically nickel for a lot. Uh, they ran like like probably probably less than 10 snaps of bear uh, of, of sorry of base of three four personnel I'd wager and like you said a lot of even fronts and a lot of um a, a lot of like coverage where it's it's a new new kind of philosophy in that Ripley's cover three match which has its positives and negatives but basically both s- seams are matched and it it often plays out like cover one. And and the linebackers are asked to push more with like a fast three, and you get a middle hook player, and then a guy to the three. And uh, so, yeah. The, and then the run fits. Some of the times were confusing. It seemed like they're kind of just winging it. But like for instance, 
We'll know more when Brooks is in there. but We will. But a lot of stack track fullback from the backers where they didn't have a guy. And it wasn't helped by the fact Matt Canada shifts all the time. And I don't imagine Seattle will have prepared specifically for shifting. I think tendencies in general will be really big for this defense and how they can kind of fine-tune their, oh, their yeah. toolbox. We even saw that in the preseason game in terms of like um, offensive formation dictating what front you're in and, and then the coverage menu that follows from that but, and then like the fire zone menu as well but like they fire zone sorry really quick but they fire zone from even and from bear right yeah but yeah um but um they like for instance like they sh- they'd play come out in like a two by two and have the tight end to one side and then they'd shift him away from where seattle had their courses safety so like then there's just an open C gap where no one played into it. Of the linebackers were just expected to fall back into it, I think. But, but then like, they that were kind like of happened. Charging. But it's like yeah. I don't think uh, uh, the one difference is I think in the past Seattle would have pirated if they got that situation, but there wasn't as much like movements up front. And again, how much have they worked on this, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. The big yeah. takeaway for me is we had a question from I think it was Rusty Cole in our mailbag defense episode. Check that out. And he asked if they'd be running any more different three, four fronts. Well, they had like an under look, which was basically bare bumps into under for the purpose of, um, because it was, uh, there was two tight ends on that side. They they want a five technique in the C gap, right? So that the linebackers can stay protected. So they don't have that second tight end climbing free, free climbing on the, the second linebacker in the fit or any of them really. But then like, Seattle also did it last year. They did, did that they? last year. Yeah. It's, it's just, it might thing. be more common auto check, like immediately get into it because, because the answer last year was, unless they played that front, the answer was if they were getting a lot of C gap problems when they were in bear against under center and even some gun, they were just fire zoning it to gain back numbers where yep. they wanted. And it, that stuff was really effective. So mm-hmm. basically they have the, the, the fire zones that they want, if they want to stay in their structure, to defend to basically to defend the run not necessarily to break the pass protection they will have that will be for other stuff but then they also have this check that they can just auto check into yeah. um and so so with with that front they were running uh what i believe is called tight will six and it looks different to like seattle's under last year because both the edges are in two points so it looks more like uh f34 right um yeah now, Seattle wasn't going to get that last year because Carlos Dunlap doesn't like really working from a two-point as much. Well, so. they did that Niners game, though, but it was they Taylor did. and Mayoa. Yeah. Is why. yeah. Not, not, yeah. So, but it, was, it was like a snapshot of it. Like This is like the full flavor now. Yes, the full flavor uh, with, with the personnel that we spoke about. Uh, and then the tight wheel six thing is just quarter, quarter, half with the quarters to the strong side. And Blair did fill in more but it's basically like philosophically is middle field open right but to me it's not that different to seattle when their middle field closed playing weak rotation cover three under frisco and they get run strong because you have the turn back player as the mic then you have the run through player as the will right and then your plus one your extra guy is the safety on the backside looking to fit in where needed that's with the cover three week rotation and then tight wheel six you have the turn back player which is the mic or whatever they call it now 
the strong inside linebacker. You have the run through player leverage it trying to leverage the ball which is like the weak inside linebacker and then by the time they've done all that and the the offense is shown run you get the free safety who's to the strong side trying to fit in where needed like he he's coming down he's red yeah. run and he's filling where needed and it, i mean the the whole point of a fill thing is he can't really let the ball cut back across his face he's like the extra guy to help out and so yeah I just found that so like, interesting from, from a coverage perspective, what, what's the fundamental goal with the way you have numbers distributed in the pass game? Cause it's under center because when you play regular quarter, quarter, half, you're trying to cloud the backside. You're trying to stay three on two or two on one to the weak side. Right. Cause that's where you're worried about matchups. It's under center. You're not, unless you have an under center dropback team, which is rare right now. When you're under center, you're only worried about, you know, if you're worried about pocket play action, so you have that quarter safety can nail down on a dig route to kind of ease ease the the strain on the linebacker. But then if you get boot and you're 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 booting to the field to the strength, that's to the quarter side. That's where things can get a little a little haywire because having a cloud to the field is really useful because then that you know, ensures that your linebackers aren't going to get out leveraged by like a, a sail route or something. So that just that puts it on the linebackers to push, but also the push on the safety to push as well, right? So I don't, you you can kind of waste your weak safety when you when you're in quarter quarter half and they boot to the field or away from the they they boot into the strength because then what is he doing? I mean, yeah, he can nail down on the the race route from the number one, but it's still on the front side of the defense to push. So I don't know. We'll just have to see. And I'm not visualizing it right well right now anyway, but. We'll, we'll we'll see what the the purposes of quarter quarter half well, is for them coverage wise. It, interestingly, I think the way they'll probably combat that is kind of links to what we saw against the Steelers, which is the corner. Other than when it got into gun right, or when it when it got like more spread and we saw more obvious cloud play where they rerouted and zoned off, the corners played off and looked to play catch. But really, they were just man turning stuff. Even if they were on the cloud side, they were just basically playing like off man. They were you you couldn't really see it like that. Yeah. Uh, and and so I think if you play it like that to under center, then you can push your halves. You can cheat the numbers. And if you get boot, the half safety can then scream over and push front side. Uh, and basically, yeah. it's not yeah. toward half anymore. But I think they I think that might be something to look for. But. There's a lot of things where, because it's a new defense, we're sort of still working it out and how it all fits together. I think some of the players are still. Uh, seemed like they were doing some games up front. To, well, not games, but like playing heavy up front in ways which was interesting. Maybe like a bit of Jimmy Pony from ends, but we don't know if that was a thing. Uh, it just it just looks like it was a thing to try and help things and it's, out. It's, it's hard to do that, though, when your edges are 250, 260. Yeah. Ideally, you want the Michael Bennett's doing that. Like Michael Bennett would be perfect for this defense right now. Yeah. Um, oh, and uh, yeah, Miles My- Adams played really well. Yeah. He, and... So yeah, yeah. So we're really quick on actual players and forgetting about scheme. Shelby Harris is a legit three technique. The guy pushes the pocket. He's fast. Miles Adams continues to show as much promise as you can show for a guy that's probably at the bottom of the depth chart. He should, he might climb his way up. Um, Quentin Jefferson, I mean, like, yeah, he's active and stuff. Um, honestly, Miles Adams might be better than Quentin Jefferson by the end of the year. We'll see. Taylor still looks like Taylor, explosive upfield, all that. 
he's playing on the left side almost exclusively. That's awesome for him. Uchenna and Wosu is as advertised. He had a good bull rush, one good inside move. Other than that, they didn't play him very much. Alton Robinson looked as good as we said in the reaction um, uh, episode. Like, yeah, he looks like he might be a little bit of a factor. Um, Boya Mafe had his shining moments. And when I, when I said his, um, his false step is gone, it's only seemingly gone when he is in a three-point or four-point four stance. It's when he's standing up, he still kind of rocks his weight back and forth. And what that means is he's lo losing time. He's losing depth when the ball snaps. So that that hurts his play style. He did show power, which was good, though, because that, that has to be the main. That has He has to be able to impose that constraint on tackles to be able to power them so that he can open up the outside more um, just by virtue of, of that. So, um, yeah, Maddie, what did you see from the corners? By the way, Cody Barton looked fine. For what he, for what we know him to be, he looked. I thought fine. he played really well. He was just playing next to guys who didn't seem to know what they were doing. Yeah, and anytime he's gets squared up by an offensive guard downfield, it's not going to look good. It also doesn't look good with Brooks four or five yards downfield. Brooks makes it look better, but your defense has problems if a linebacker is singled up like that. Like you have bigger problems than how well that linebacker takes on contact. That doesn't happen to Brooks very often because his feet are in the right place to take on the contact when his feet are in the right place. Brooks looks amazing taking on contact. Barton doesn't look amazing, but he looks not bad when yep. his feet are in the right place. And that's what Barton mostly did. This game was keying things instantaneously. And that's all I need from him. Zero questions from him in coverage. Anyway, Maddie, what'd you see yeah, from the, the corners? The, the, the corners were okay. Like Woolen, he said how nervous he was. The bust was obviously on him, but, um, I mean, he was fine. Like he 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 had some nice reps towards the end, bit grabby, but um, yeah, he's physical and so fast. I I do worry about him playing the football. Brian, he just got pushed off on slightly. He didn't seem he was already in a bit of recovery mode. He got pushed off on. Um, there wasn't he shouldn't have looked around for the ball because he's trying to work back in phase. And as he was trying to work back in phase, he got pushed off on. So he was not never going to look back for the football in that instance. Uh. But he's better at nickel. And then, I, I mean, Mike Jackson seems interesting. but Yeah, he seems like valuable depth. I mean, he played well, I think, against Arizona, right? Yeah. And he's he played well against, against Detroit. Yeah. Detroit. So, yeah, and he played well against the Steelers. So, he might be he might be the last guy in the group. Um, yeah. You know, Amadi's exit might make it easier to keep an extra corner. He's big mm -hmm. on special teams. He's Is playing he, a lot of special teams. That'll help so. too. And because they're not going to be able to count on their linebackers to be good special teams players, their depth there. So they might need to rely more on rely more on DBs there. So maybe that will also keep him on the field. Absolutely nothing can happen to Brooks or Barton this year. If they do, they're in trouble. Yeah. Put them in um, bubble wrap. And I don't, I think that's, Probably everything. Ty, what did we do a bad job explaining? Nothing. Nothing. I think, uh, yeah, the only thing on the on, that I would add on the linebacker front, trade for Rokon. <laughs> I'm not opposed. As how much about, as I like Barton, Rokon's an upgrade on... How about when the Bears come to town on Thursday, you just keep... Yeah, you just Yeah, you just keep Roquan here. It's you like a Dwayne Brown right? 2017 situation. Yeah, week lock, four. lock him in a closet somewhere. 
and just hope that the bears probably just you know forget about his existence and then he's yours. I, I think, think the bears role, will, right? would would forget about that to be honest. Yeah, that seems like yeah. a thing that they would do for sure. Yeah. yeah. Should we yeah. should we talk about Chicago or? Well, that's what I w- I was doing here. I was trying oh, to set it up. Oh, I was, oh, you know, um, I, I, I loved it. Exactly. Now you just got to knock it out of the park here. <laughs> Bears are such a very not talented team. I guess if Robert Quinn mm-hmm. plays, that would be a cool matchup to watch to, for Cross. Cross's real NFL edge experience. Their offense is like I don't know what the heck. Like I, I, I don't really see what they're doing. Like they're trying to break Justin Fields, it seems like. Yeah. Because their their receiver group is okay. So I don't know. One thing is, I don't know how open their competition is because it might be that the first string is so not good that they play quite a lot. Like because they're basically third stringers playing as you know, masquerading yeah. as first stringers. But Equinamius, St. Brown, Darnell Mooney, Byron Pringle is their first string. <laughs> And then they have what, like Velas Jones, Velas Jones, whatever. Velas Jones, does who beat up on Tariq Woolen at the Senior Bowl. So, right. Yeah. Nikhil Harry, Daz Newsom, Dante Pettis, Tajay Sharp, David Moore, Isaiah Coulter. Hmm. There's like There's a lot me. of names that I record, recognize, but yeah, that's like the mid-off. The mid-off. Of all, yeah, this, all, this game, the this game would have mid-off. been. This game would have been really helpful for Drew Locke because for the same reasons that he seems super sharp in the mock game because he knows where everyone is on the defense, even though the Bears lost Sean Desai, they still hired uh, – who did they hire? Oh, no, I'm thinking of the Vikings. No, they hired Eberflus. Eberflus. Right? Eberflus. So, I mean, yeah, they run cover two, but Eberflus is running a lot of cover three this past year, mm-hmm. and he had yeah, success and- with that. So, I actually, I don't know what the Bears will be defensively. Probably like a lot of nickel if, fire zone, I imagine. Yeah. If they do run cover three, we're going to have plenty of one-on-one scenarios down the sideline. Will Gino and Cork one? Um, that will be one to look for. If it's cover three, um, hit, hit hit the dig routes that are there, you know, in, in the space if they're not defending well. It will certainly help that Roquan Smith won't be playing because he's pretty good at getting into those windows. Uh, so it's another opportunity. I haven't heard of any of these players. Like, yeah, their defense is Mario Edwards, who I have heard of. Mm-hmm. This is the second string. Kyrie's Tonga, Micah <laughs> Du Treadway, Mohammed Al Kadeen. I've heard of him. Mm-hmm. Matthew Adams. They're the two indie guys. Then Joe Thomas, Lamar Jackson, Dane Cruikshank, DeAndre Houston Carson, Kindle Vildor. I think he tested well. And then Thomas Graham. Uh, I, I don't know what that is. Oh, and the, the backup quarterback is, we should say, is Trevor Simeon. And then Ooh. Nathan Peterman. That oh, is fun. That oh, is shit. fun. Actually, you know, uh, Jacob Eason versus Nathan Peterman, that's going to be must-watch TV tomorrow. Oh, right? yes. Yeah. Yes. And hopefully the defense plays well because otherwise... I mean, they can't be as bad tackling as they were last time. That was the big issue. Like Pete said yeah. it afterwards, and after he said that, I was like, do you know what? He's actually, he's right. Like, the tackling was atrocious. And then you combine that with the bust. That was basically the big plays. Like, run game-wise, they had one bust for, like, a big play. But other than that, they were fine. They were playing, like, really aggressive in terms of aggressive to not defend the run that much, like, too high stuff. And they were getting by, kicking butt up front. Coverage was really good, other than getting beat one on one or busting. 
Like, mm-hmm. they were good. So, yeah, this this should be a nice little ramp up for the defense as well. Yeah, should be an interesting game. Uh, we'll see how much Gino plays. You know, the other thing too is like, is this the dress rehearsal? Is next week the dress rehearsal? Is the, is there a dress rehearsal of some kind? Like, are we going to see think... DK and Tyler Lockett in this game? Because like, that's the other thing too is like, if 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 you know, what's the talent level that Gino is going to be working with in this game? Yeah, it's with, great with lockout. It's almost like you'd put the ones with Gino this game and then the ones with Lock in the third game? I don't know. You, you got to give him some reps with live game reps with these guys because it's it's great that he's building chemistry with Kay Johnson and, you know, Penny Hart, but, like, you also got to throw to the – you got to throw to the pro bowlers at a certain point. So, uh, okay. you know, well, um, we'll at least be, give him a drive with them. Yeah. We'll be back – tomorrow because that's when the the game is and we'll have recapped it instantly for you with the some fire takes and hopefully a really good all-round seahawks performance and gino continuing his his good progress and Mm. jacob eason finding j jaw for massive fade balls j jaw 220 yards jacob eason 350 yards wins the competition just absolutely ruined their evals by all the guys that have mm-hmm. been playing poorly to have a really good game and all the guys that have been playing well to be bad. That's the worst when stuff that happens. I know, so because yeah. you don't know what to believe anymore at that point. My life's a lie. Um, until next time, please do like and subscribe to the YouTube edition of this and then retweet, like the tweet from the at Seattle Overlook podcast, follow it, and five-star reviews, please, with with having some having more and more but this has gone quite long so i won't read them out this time but thank you we do we do see them we appreciate them and again the the exciting news about the podcast we're very close to revealing that Uh, but thank you everyone